1: Hello and welcome to the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast, Week 15 Game-by-Game game Review Edition. I'm your host, Ian Hart. It's happy fantasy playoffs. Hopefully, you had a first-round buy and didn't have to worry about this week. But if not, hopefully, you got that W and R advancing on to the semis. Joining me, as always, in this lovely Sunday evening, the one, the only, MB Fantasy Live prodigy icon, Dwayne
0: The Rock McFarlane. Dwayne, what's up, man? Man, I'm doing good. Like, Dude, this was a like, crazy weekend of football like the way some of these games ended and i was kind of honestly i was kind of bored this afternoon in the afternoon slate and then like things heated up in the second half of those games and wow yeah we have some really interesting endings to talk about i was i was pretty surprised by
1: we are starting this one a little bit early. I spent the weekend in Chicago and as much as I love staying up till 2 a.m. off on my own, a little bit tougher when you have your sweet, sweet friends letting you sleep on their couch. So with that, everyone, we are going to quickly go through some of the notes on the Thursday night and Saturday games. I've already talked to Dwayne about some of the key utilization notes. So just bear with me as I run through these. As always, you can find full breakdowns of all the fun beyond the box score stuff with Nathan Yonke's takeaways on PFF.com. But starting things, off on Thursday night we had the 49ers take down the Seahawks 21 to 13 getting that full CMC workhorse roll back 30 touches 90 percent snap rate is that the smartest thing for them to do going forward and trying to get ready for the playoff run probably not do we freaking love it in fantasy land absolutely probably fire him up as the overall RB1 moving forward look how much has changed since week one pretty much nothing Kenneth Walker 75 percent snaps unfortunately he was giving up some of the pass down work to Homer but Dwayne did let all of us know that he is getting 71% I believe of the two minute drill situation so you even saw when Kenneth Walker had that basically game performance saving 30 yard catch and run he can clearly do it in the past game here's the hoping in 2023 and beyond he gets more opportunities to do just that the one big injury to keep an eye on is Tyler Lockett with a broken finger And typical Pete Carroll form it seems like he has a chance to play this week or not for the rest of the season keep an eye on that if not it's going to be obviously the DK Metcalf show could also see Marquise Goodwin emerged as a little bit of a factor down the stretch absolutely spectacular all-time comeback for the ages Vikings 39 Colts 36 Kirk Cousins 400 plus passing yards and four touchdowns and the second half alone helped get KJ Osborne that career best performance just realized we're probably not expecting Cousins to go quite that bonkers every single second half moving forward only other big note here just in terms of usage fantasy actionable looking forward Jonathan Taylor did suffer that ankle injury and once again didn't exactly get a helpful injury note with us basically being told by Adam Schefter it's not serious. That said, it could also keep him out for the rest of the season, so keep an eye on that. We did see Zach Moss lead the way 67% snaps and 24 carries without Taylor, but Jordan Wilkins was not active. So We saw earlier in this year, it looked like Deion Jackson was the guy, and then Wilkins was active, and it became much more of a committee. I do not expect any of these three running backs if Jonathan Taylor is going to miss time to be the sort of fantasy viable options that we're going to want in our lineups far more Or like what Houston looked like this week without Damian Pierce. With the Browns and Ravens, credit to the Browns for winning 13-3. to Just unfortunately didn't get too much of a takeaway from the Ravens' backfield. J.K. Dobbins looked better than he did the week before, and we didn't have Kenyon Drake active. That said, Justice Hill still had the same amount of snaps as J.K. Dobbins out there. Gus Edwards siphoned away seven carries, and guess what? Dobbins looked really good on 13 carries, and it's unfortunate that we can't double that amount. Maybe just maybe down the stretch now that they feel more confident about his health. Only other real note is that Donovan Peoples-Jones continues to make all sorts of plays, even at the Sean Watson and this offense getting going a bit slower than we would have hoped. And finally, in another classic game, that Saturday night snowy affair between the Bills and the Dolphins, Buffalo took home the win 32 to 29. Dwayne, just real quick, how did no Dolphins fans step up in this game once they threatened the Bills fans like that they can't throw the snowballs on the field? <laughs> if you're a Dolphin fan, you got to take off your team hoodie and just start chucking them, man.
0: Yeah, you got to pick up some penalty yards. I don't know what was going on. I don't know like, what was going on. That's the first thing I thought of when I heard that. I was like, oh, man, like if I'm a Dolphins fan, like I'm chunking snowballs. Going
1: straight forward to a like mid drop back. Like <laughs> that's what we need to do there. But hey, missed opportunity. Who was well, someone that did take advantage of the opportunity, though? Raheem Mostert without Jeff Wilson in there. 77% snaps, 72% routes run. I mean, he had 136 rushing yards and 141 of those came after contact. So truly awesome performance from Raheem Mostert. It looked as impressive with the old eyes watching. Watching the film than it did in the box score after the fact, so not sure how much longer Jeff Wilson is going to be sidelined. But I believe the Dolphins might have a Thursday night game. Am I making that up, Dwayne? Offense weeks, yes. Awesome. No. I made that up. They play the Packers next Sunday. So we'll see what happens with Jeff Wilson. If not, Raheem Mostert, definitely going to be in that upside RB2 conversation. Also, we just know Cole Beasley. They're getting the band back together. He was involved enough to, unfortunately, knock McKenzie back down to part-time status. So can't overly trust him. And who can we overly trust consistently in this passing game other than Stefan Diggs, who even then couldn't give us a big performance. But finally, Devin Singletary and James Cook, once again, working pretty interchangeably for the third straight week, but not seeing anyone truly take over. We did see Hines go down just to three snaps. So, as we talked about, plenty we can live with two running back committees, which is what Buffalo is trending towards three and four is when it gets complicated. So, Singletary Cook still not guys down the stretch that we can feel fantastic about, but at least good to see James Cook them showing that he can have, you know, the sort of every down role, at least for spurts that Singletary has. Because, hey, Singletary, if he's not in the picture of 2023 and beyond, and then we see Cook start getting the Singletary role, we could be talking, just don't think it will be this year. So, with all that said, everyone. let's move on specifically to the Sunday action starting off with the Eagles taking down the Bears 25 20 Bears covered as eight and a half point dogs under at 48 and a half Dwayne I have boots in Chicago I was there tailgating this morning and it was absolutely freezing I look I don't want to sound soft here born raised in Ohio I'm aware football weather is cold and all that but rookie mistake on my part only wearing one pair of socks I thought I was gonna lose a couple toes at one point luckily they're all still there so luckily on the the Eagles side of things. They were plenty warm. Jalen Hurts, no passing touchdowns. Guess what? Doesn't matter. He got three on the ground. The only disappointment here really was Miles Sanders, but Dwayne, it wasn't like it was a different usage from Miles Sanders. He got unlucky, stopped at the one-yard line, and by stopped at the one-yard line, honestly, it just didn't really review the play, and I think the Eagles know how dominant the QB sneak stuff is. They didn't bother to review it, and look, it was just kind of a bad game script uh, form where his first carry came with 641 remaining in the second quarter, so looking ahead to next week, this NFL sea east hugely anticipated battle between the eagles and the cowboys how confident are you Dwayne, relying on miles sanders in that matchup because we know he's not going to get much pass down work but hey 15 to 20 carries you could pick a worse offense to get those in
0: yeah the last part is the key like you're just starting miles sanders if you have him right i mean you want 15 to 20 touches you're in an offense that you know is going to have plenty of opportunities to score um you know we kind of saw the old school Version of Miles Sanders, you know, crop up this weekend, which was Jalen Hurts stealing some of the touchdowns, you know, and that can still happen. But overall, like he's been involved, you know, down inside the 10, like even today, he had 60 percent of the snaps inside the 10. So he should ultimately be fine. But these are the kind of games you've got to deal with. Like Miles Sanders is like, I don't want to say Gabe Davis because Gabe Davis isn't any good (laughs) this year. But last year, like, he's like the, the running back version, right, of Gabe Davis. You know, he's going to give you the five pointer. And as soon as you bench him, he's going off for 30. You know, in two of the three games before this, he had 140 yards rushing. So, uh and the Cowboys lost Leighton Vander Vanderesh Esch today, you know, with a neck injury. Don't know how bad that will be. They had a couple of other defensive linemen banged up. They lost Jonathan Hankins last week. So the Cowboys defense is going in the wrong direction. So that'll be a positive for Miles Sanders as well
1: good note from Nathan Yonke in his review of this game. Jalen Hurts ran the ball 17 times, and that marks the 25th time in NFL history. A quarterback has run the ball at least 17 times. Hurts has six of those 25 games. Lamar Jackson has eight. No other quarterback even has two. Truly does put in perspective just how fantasy-friendly of a workload Jalen Hurts and Lamar Jackson when he's healthy have on the ground. Final note, both A.J. Brown and Devontae Smith just absolutely balling out there. We did not see Dallas Goddard get back in action just yet, but as long as, I mean, i don't think he's going to stay out it does sound like that if he wasn't going to be here today that he will be back there next week i mean Devontae smith now five straight games without dallas goddard he's had eight plus targets in every single game 126 yards in this one ajb nine catches 181 yards and honestly could have been even bigger i mean he did have a chance for another 30 yarder but it was a bit of a bad throw rare bad throw i should say from jalen hurts and then when he had his long 68 yard catch and run he actually got hawked inside the five cannot wait to hear some of the uh chatter from him and the other wide receivers. I think they call themselves like different types of Batman, and they call A.J. Brown fat Batman or slow Batman, and he's always taking offense to that, saying that he can outrun Quez Watkins. Again, I bet we get a good mic'd up segment out of that one, but yeah, I did a study a couple of weeks ago, just being so impressed with these guys, so I took every team's number one and number two wide receiver in terms of yards per outrun, added up that total, and just wanted to see the top one, two punches. Number one, as I'm sure you guys could guess, Tyreek Hill and Jalen Waddle, but number two, pretty easily a Jay Brown and Devante Smith. Dwayne, on the other side of things, it was another week without Khalil Herbert in the fold. And because of that, Dave Montgomery, once again, pretty nice workhorse role. 67% snaps and 15 total touches. Happened to find the end zone twice for his cause. So really now without Herbert, he's been the RB6, the RB21, the RB12. And I'm guessing with today's two touchdown performance, that'll be another RB1 performance out there. So if Herbert remains sidelined, Dave Montgomery, man, I know it's an offense where we haven't seen the most consistency, but without Herbert, montgomery has given us that consistency i'm looking at the bears right now in week 16 and they are going to play the buffalo bills how confident would you be firing up montgomery as let's say a top 15 option against the bills
0: yeah i mean as long as we don't have herbert back i mean he's an every down back so at worst case you're making him a high-end you know rb2 that's the way i'm looking at him now like he you do have Darren's and Evans still getting a little bit of work, but it's it's mostly David Montgomery. Like, really, the bigger threat to his touches, it's Justin Fields. Um, I mean, he only had 12 rushing attempts a day, three targets. So, I mean, he hasn't quite had, like, the explos- explosion in touches that we thought he might. He's owning the role. Like, he's for sure the lead guy, but we haven't seen many 20, 25-touch games like we thought we might get. Now, some of that is kind of like back to the Miles Sanders thing. Just games have worked out kind of weirdly. Odd things have happened that have kept him from that. But yeah I think you've your worst case your mid range rb2 more likely high end rb2 if we don't have Khalil Herbert around big awesome play of the game. He gets one of these every single week. It's unbelievable,
1: Dwayne. These just chunk (laughs) monster Justin Fields scrambles. My goodness. Again, I told you guys before the buy how I was a little bit worried about the shoulder and all that. I learned from my mistakes, Dwayne. You said it, you know, I think after that week 13 game, if you got Justin Fields and he is playing football, you're starting him in fantasy and that's why we fired him up as a top five quarterback this week and he responded with 95 yards on the ground as well as two touchdowns through the air. So could have actually even had a bigger day on The ground originally that touchdown, which again, I don't think this is hyperbole to say one of like the most electric touchdown runs, near touchdown runs, I should say, that we've ever seen from a quarterback. Unfortunately, just Barely out of bounds, so he didn't get those extra six points. But here we are through 15 weeks, and Justin Fields has exactly 1,000 rushing yards. NFL high, seven yards per carry. Lamar Jackson's quarterback record in 2019 was at 1,206 rushing yards. Dwayne, I think Fields can get there over the next three weeks.
0: Yeah, I think he can too. And what's crazy is this guy's doing this after being, you know, banged up. He's missed time. Um, I think Lamar missed a little bit of time that year as well, though. I can't yeah. remember how many. Came, I think he think got the last. Game. I
1: think he got the last game off because they were the one seed.
0: Yeah, I knew there was something there. Yeah, so but I yeah, I think Fields is honestly, he's close to a lock <laughs> to yeah. getting this. You know, I mean, because he's getting you know seventy ninety yards a game, and then he has blow up games where he's you know well over a hundred. So, um, I mean, of course, he could have a game where he has fifty or sixty, but I I think he has a really good shot at it.
1: He did get cramps at the end, but returned, yeah. so that was good. You saw him, you know, whenever it's I'm a like, lower put him on injury. the cart
0: and get him in there quicker. Like, you know, we see guys getting to cart. Ryan Tannehill today said he rode the cart at the end of the game when it was over because it was just faster, not because he was hurt. How about during a game? Like, let's get, like, you need, like, a motorcycle or something. Just throw him <laughs> on the back of the motorcycle and get him in there. <laughs> get, get the IV fluid in. Like, you want Justin Fields back out here as soon as possible let the mascot
1: drive like that'd be awesome, man. Come on. <laughs> why not? There's like three minutes left in the game. It's a great point. Unfortunately, the one serious injury is St. Brown out with a concussion, but just again, injury riddled walking graveyard of a wide receiver room for the yeah. bears. As you could probably guess by now, not going to be getting many fantasy. I
0: should say any fantasy. You don't touchdowns. want Byron Pringle, 94% <laughs> route participation, 11.9 fantasy points. Ian.
1: Score, score a touchdown, Dwayne. I'm going to, you know,
0: <laughs> he did score. You <laughs> got <I> chip <laughs> on your
1: shoulder. Maybe. (laughs) All
0: right. All right. Yep. If you got a chip on your shoulder, yes. Yes, Ian.
1: Jaguars took down the Cowboys 40 to 34 obviously covering us four point dogs the overcash with ease at 47 Uh, and a half this was a tough one I'm guessing the McFarland Cowboys faithful household did not love it and man Trevor Lawrence just another great one Dwayne it didn't look like we were necessarily going to get this next great performance by Trevor Lawrence the Cowboys took a 17 point lead in the third quarter and I was like okay is this going to all of a sudden become one of those Colts games where the Cowboys just all of a sudden start really front running on him and no Trevor Lawrence Lawrence pretty much immediately threw a long 60 or so 59 yard touchdowns to say to Zay Jones, his, first or second of three on the day and yeah got them back in the game and ended up winning the damn thing 318 yards four passing touchdowns through the air I mean he's now gotten those totals Dwayne in three of his last four games I saw you tweet that he might f around and just become this top six <laughs> quarterback by the time next season comes around so let's briefly play with that because obviously Kylo Murray having the unfortunate ACL injury that's not something we're exactly gonna be signing up to nope. mess around with at a high level so we have Josh Allen Patrick Mahomes Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, maybe Tua. I mean, Justin, Justin Fields. Fields, Justin Fields. I'd probably take Lawrence over Tua at this point because we actually have yeah. more of
0: a rushing floor.
1: I think he's probably with the QB six to I think he nailed it.
0: Yeah, I mean, you could debate it, but I think I think right now you have to look at him inside the top eight. And even if you're drafting him like as the QB eight off the board, I think you can feel good that the way he's performed on the stretch, you could be getting a top three option. You know, so I man, I, I think it's happening right now with Trevor Lawrence. I know we had the one down game, um, you know, where he was injured in the game against the Lions and we thought it was really a blow up spot. So everybody was on it. You know, that's that's what I've noticed in this industry. Anytime everybody jumps all in on a player like because with DFS or prop bets mm-hmm. or whatever and everybody goes nuts on it. And if they happen to have a bad game that week, it's like it just lingers for people, right? Um, and because guess what, they probably weren't betting on Trevor Lawrence this week. He's playing the Cowboys, so I think he's looked great watching him play against Dallas. You know, there were a couple of other plays where I mean, he was he was borderline breaking the game open more than it already was. He had a turnover where he was running with the ball. You know, I mean, he had a couple of unfortunate little things here and there, but I I think he looks really good and he's spreading the ball around still to all these guys. Like now. You can play, you know, before we were like, okay, two Jaguars can come through each week. There's going to be a, th- the third one's going to be the odd man out. We can't tell you which one it's going to be. Now, I don't know. We can say that. i he, this guy can support three per every week. Like Evan Ingram, Zay Jones and Christian Kirk should be in fantasy lineups pretty much every week, even though we know it's fantasy playoffs, you can't afford a donut. Like I trust Trevor Lawrence that much.
1: One of the things I've been pointing out in my uh, solo game my game preview pods here the last few weeks is just Zay Jones and Christian Kirk. I think Jones has actually, especially after this one, surpassed Christian Kirk in terms of expected PPR points per game. Like, their workload on the season has just been almost identical, if not in favor of Zay. I mean, on just a whole total target total, Christian Kirk 108 targets and Zay Jones with 102 on the season now. So, yeah, Kirk has more yards, has more touchdowns. He's generally been better than Zay Jones. But, hey, when Trevor Lawrence is clicking, Zay Jones, has gotten, I hope, most of those drops out of his system. I'm not sure how many more there could possibly be in there after a couple of those weeks he's had in the past. Good things like this are happening, and you mentioned Ingram, man. Eight catches and 62 yards after that great performance last week. I mean, you look at the season totals now. He's one of only five tight ends with 600-plus receiving yards. He's tied with Mark Andrews for the third-most receptions, and he dropped a 10-yard touchdown in this game, so it's just wild for him to be keeping on, keeping on, and even leaving some meat on the bone. We did get a brief injury to Travis Etienne and ankle luckily not a foot and he did manage to return but Dwayne it's the same thing man 73% snaps 19 carries two targets this is an RB1 level workload we're just not quite getting that production so at least ETN did go for over 100 rushing yards he looked explosive out there unfortunately someone that we just need to treat as a more mid-tier RB2 than the RB1 his utilization says he could be
0: yeah well and the main thing he's just not he still doesn't get passing work even though he's out there on the passing downs that's what's keeping him from being an RB one. It's not so much, you know, just his work on the ground. Like 103 yards is fine. He today was positive to me because I was just worried, man, is this guy's foot just messed up and they're not telling us. You know how it is. Sometimes after the season's over, the player, like in their exit interview, basically it's what it is, you know, with the media, they get a lot of questions and they would be like, Well, yeah, I was, I was you know, I had a had a broken bone in my foot, you know. And you're like, What? You know, we didn't know about this. And so I was kind of associating when ETN's performances dropped off, not and it could be wrong, but it's not been good since he's been hurt. So I thought it was good to see this today. That puts a little bit of that to rest. Like He does keep fumbling, though. Like This guy's got a fumbling problem, so he's going to definitely need to fix that because if they get somebody more competent behind him next year, the coaches may not be so willing to just keep feeding him the ball. It's just really disappointing, the usage in the passing game. Ian. I don't know if it's just because he's not really good in that area, or just because, really, Zay Jones is better than we thought, Christian mm-hmm. Kirk is good, and Evan Ingram is playing well. So it's like, really, there's just not a lot there for a running back.
1: You mentioned, you know, the exit interview. Oh, I had this foot injury. Or in Claudio case, you know, I had a gallbladder surgery. I yeah. went down to 150 pounds. So always good to get those notes in a timely fashion. On the Cowboys side of things, once again, another game where we saw Pollard and Zeke coexist and accordingly produce a great offense. I mean, if you guys didn't see the end of this game, I mean, you really can't put it on the Cowboys offense. Like, could they have maybe put it away and scored over 40 points in regulation? Sure, but they did more than enough to get the W. Unfortunately, when Noah Brown wasn't catching touchdowns and confusing us for CeeDee Lamb because they tend to look pretty similar with the numbers in the 80s and, of course, rocking those dreads. He did, unfortunately, drop what would have been a first down for the Cowboys in overtime and then immediately went into the hands of a Jaguars defender who promptly won the game with a pick six. Just, again brutal loss for the Cowboys here. They are 10-4, and four, but going to really make it tough for them to win the NFC East. So Zeke and Pollard now have seen 15-plus combined carries and targets in all five games since Zeke returned from injury. Awfully difficult to keep either out of the lineup at the moment. And CeeDee Lamb, just again showing that he is, maybe not Dwayne, the top five wide receiver we were thinking he was going to ascend to, but I'm not so sure that you're going to need more than two hands to count the guys ahead of him. On the season now, six in receiving yards, tied for ninth with Cooper Cup in yards per out run eighth highest grade receiver and he only did it on seven targets today so i guess the only question is Dwayne moving down the stretch looking at philly next week in particular anyone other than cd into a slightly lesser extent but it's tight end dalton schultz that you trust in this passing game because michael gallup we've seen a little bit of a boom here he had the two touchdown game against the colts today though just one catch for two scoreless yards
0: yeah he's just a boom bust guy like you're you're starting lamb if you've got him you're starting pollard you're starting zeke you're starting schultz most likely i mean you might you know, if you've got if, you know, there are probably some teams that have an Evan Ingram, you know, that have an Njoku and maybe you're trying to decide, you know, it gets a little tougher. But Schultz, again, out there a ton, just didn't get the targets today. Only 13 percent target share. But, yeah, I'm, I'm It's it's tougher to trust Michael Gallup. You need to be playing in a deeper league. The one thing I'll say with Lamb is he probably is actually on that tier with the next group of guys that we thought he would be with. But, I mean, this is just a team that is, you know, really kind of staying run balanced, if you will. Like, today they only dropped back 46%, you know, of their plays. So, Lamb's really playing in an offense that doesn't want to open things up as much. And it's fine. It's working for the Cowboys. But, I mean, his target shares, yards per route run, all the other underlying metrics, you know, put him in this, like, talent profile-wise, he's close with the other guys, you know, at the top. Like, he's in the top five or six, in my opinion. The offense just isn't, isn't, isn't opening things up quite as much as some of the other teams.
1: Chiefs took down the Texans in OT second straight week. Of the Houston Texans have played a big time two touchdown favorite awfully tough. Obviously made the Cowboys work for that win last week as well. So yeah, 14 half point dogs over did cash of 48 and a half. Patrick Mahomes more times than not doing Patrick Mahomes things. 336 passing yards, two touchdowns. I mean, he's my MVP at this point. I don't think ah Maybe if Burrell stays hot, you know, Jalen Hurts has certainly been leading the best overall team. Maybe Josh Allen gets these four weeks going. But for me, through 15 weeks, I am, would give the honor to Patrick Mahomes. But you guys already know we got Mahomes. And we also got Travis Kelsey bouncing back, 10 catches, 105 yards. And Juju Schuster, Dwayne, I don't think he's going to quite get that wide receiver one performance that he's had in four of his last five really full-time games. At a minimum, those should continue to be a top five top 15 top 16 finisher depending on how things shake out in this week so we love Kelsey we love Juju and man we are loving Jerick <laughs> McKinnon lately man feels good to have been on the right side of this because we've just seen the snaps go in the right direction here over the past month 34 percent snaps in week 12 47 percent week 13 57 in week 14 and 62 percent in week 15 dwayne Isaiah Pacheco still has 15 plus touches in six straight games. I don't think it's going to fully become the Jarek McKinnon show, but when he's now a candidate to get double digit carries in his own right, on top of all the pass down work, I mean, are we throwing them like in the top 15 right now? There's not much time well, to waste. All,
0: his role hasn't even changed. It's all game yeah. script dependent. Like every one of these games where we've seen, you know, the, the increase that you're talking about, like you just have to look at the game scripts, like in the way the things have worked out. But – Having said that, like, it's not just that he's out there on passing downs because we have quite a few backs this year that have disappointed us, you know, where it's like, oh, man, they got the passing down role, and we're hoping they don't get used. Like, he's the he's a top three target right now on the team. Now, yeah. Nicole Hardman was nearly back today. They did get Kadarius Toney back. He wasn't out there very much, only 7% route participation. Sky Moore still at 20%. We can leave all those other guys alone. Miko Hardman's the one wild card, but you're just if you have McKinnon, you're riding him. Like I was looking over at the FFPC, looking at the main event, looking at the Football Guys tournament. Like if you want to be in the top five this week in scoring, now we still have football left. They all have McKinnon. All of them have McKinnon in their flex. Um, 32.2 PPR points today. Ten rushing attempts. He had eight targets, caught all eight of them for 70 yards and a touchdown. So that's two. That's back to back weeks with with two touchdowns. Basically, he's Tony Pollard. He's doing Tony Pollard right now, so even if he doesn't necessarily keep this same, you know, exact role based on game script every week, like, well, really, I guess what I'm saying, his role is still going to stay the same. Game script may mean a little bit less work, like he's just kind of doing what Pollard was doing three or four weeks ago. He's coming through on the on the opportunities that he's got, and Mahomes is locked in on him right now.
1: No joke about him being a top three target over the last three weeks with Juju back in that full-time role. Juju, it does lead the, lead the way with 25 targets. Kelsey's right there with 24. And in third place, Jarek McKinnon with 18. Gotta go all the way down to 12 with MBS to find the next guy. Also, would note a couple of shishas here from the Chiefs offense. Mahomes had a wild throw, you know, typical off-platform sidearm 50 yards downfield and Justin Watson dropped what would have been a good 50-yard gain. Did have a rare miss from Patrick Mahomes. MBS pretty wide open for a huge gain. If not a touchdown, Mahomes did under it. I will say that I think Mahomes still probably has the lead in terms of not Chishin while MVS has been, unfortunately having a few drops here and there. On the other side of things, Dwayne, Houston had 219 total yards and 3.8 yards per play, so kind of wild that they did keep this game as tight as they were able to and send it into overtime, but just not really too many takeaways to have. I'm not sure if Chris Moore was hurt. He did still have a team high, nine targets, no Nico Collins, no Brandon Hooks again, unfortunately, wasn't able to really replicate his overall success. And in the backfield, we did predictably predictably see Royce Freeman come off the practice squad, lead the way on early downs, but not enough to feel good about because Dario Gubowala and Rex Burkhead still very much involved. So right now, I think you're in a really good position if you don't have to have even a single Houston Texan on your fantasy roster. Anything to say here, Dwayne? We did have an OK game from Jordan Akins, but. Come on. I
0: mean, yeah. A- I mean, it. Aikens has been coming on over the last several games as far as like his utilization goes. He just hadn't really had a game where he popped yet. Did a little bit today at 11.2 fantasy points, you know, in PPR, but it's still, uh, it, you know, it's still a rotation. You've got Tegan. I don't even know how you say his last name, Ian. Quitoff. Quitoiano. Quitoiano. Tarantino. Tarantino. Quentin Tarantino had 7.8 points and actually had more routes than jordan aiken so you know the texans they're one of those teams that we've just seen they like to rotate the guys um i will say with chris moore another big game from a target share perspective i don't know if he got hurt or not 91 percent route participation i didn't see any notes about him today when i was getting ready for the show where he was on anything i was looking at for injuries 33 percent target share so I have to say, that's pretty impressive, a few weeks in a row that he's done that. Now defenses are going to adjust to him. Let's see what happens for him. I'm kind of surprised by it, to be honest, because the guy's had chances before. He's playing on other teams that really needed him to be good. Now, he was younger then. Like, back when the Ravens had Chris Moore on their team, they didn't really have a lot of the other guys. Well, there was no Rashad Bateman. It was before Hollywood Brown, that kind of thing. And he never did really break out then. But that was really early in his career. So maybe there is something here. Um, But to your point, like it's still the Texans offense and and the backfield real quick, because I did get a lot of questions about this before the games and I'm sure I'll get a little bit more, but yeah, it's just the answer is no. It was really split between Dari Aganbawale, Royce Freeman and Rex Burkhead. So Freeman actually, so, so Dari, you know, 1.4 fantasy points. He led the team in snaps 47% Freeman 38% Rex Burkhead 16% and it was Freeman really leading the way on the ground. And then you had Dari handling some of the passing down, and then you had Rex Burkhead getting, you know, some of the passing downs too. So it's a it's a complete mess and a bad offense. Saints took down
1: the Falcons 21 18 Falcons did cover us four and a half point dogs under cash at 43 and a half so Alvin Kamara without Mark Ingram on the surface okay it looks like it was just a sad game like oh we got the touches but it didn't quite work out he had 21 carries for 91 scoreless yards also caught both of his targets for 13 yards so I saw that Dwayne I wasn't overly angry it's like oh okay you know what can you do 20 plus touches and then I lifted up the hood of the car and I saw that in the year 2022 David freaking Johnson ran more routes than Alvin Kamara in a three-point game that the Saints won. We did not see Alvin Kamara get a bigger role without Mark Ingram in the picture. We basically saw the Saints already replace a guy that had far too much usage than what was necessary or anyone would want in Mark Ingram for a guy in David Johnson that just honestly has not looked like an NFR running back for the better part of the last three seasons. This sucks, Dwayne, and Alvin Kamara was someone that... Man, I mean, talking to my guy, Nick Botterford, on like Friday, I think he had him ranked as like RB25 going into this week, and I didn't quite go down that low or anything, but it was one of those situations where on that RB1 borderline, I mean, it was his usage has told us he's still a low-end RB1. He has been anything but that really ever since he had that overall RB1 performance and he scored the three or four touchdowns or whatever it was. Thoughts on, again, David freaking Johnson having more routes than Alvin Kamara in the year 2022.
0: Yeah, man, I, I I don't understand it. Like this coaching staff sat around and saw, you know, Sean Payton all of those years, really draw up plays for Darren Sproles, draw up plays for Alvin Kamara. Like they've seen this firsthand. You can easily manufacture yards getting the ball to to Kamara in the passing game, but why would you need to do that? Ian, you've got Juwan Johnson. <laughs> Juwan Johnson is here to save the day. Like this dude scores two touchdowns like every week. Like when he's healthy, like he is Andy Dalton's dude. Like, this is his guy. He had six targets, four receptions, 67 yards, two touchdowns today. So, I mean, I don't know. I don't have any hope, honestly, that it's going to change for Kamara at this point. Seeing David Johnson get this role today, it definitely makes me think that there's something else. I don't know if they're trying to save Kamara. You know, I don't know. I have no clue what's going on. I can't even pretend to. But I think we just have to accept it at this point. Like Camara's not going to get the targets that we were always so used to. And he's not getting to play the role that we love, even though they have a quarterback that that would perfectly fit with. That really just wants to check the ball down. And that's Andy Dalton as
1: you mentioned, Juwan Johnson now joins Travis Kelsey as the only two tight ends with at least seven receiving touchdowns this season. Absolute madness. The other guy that did catch a touchdown out there, Rashid Shaheed. We did have some murmurs in the DFS streets, maybe the deep flexes. He has been now three straight games with 50 plus receiving yards Roll continues to be on the up and up 95 yards and a touchdown today, 68 yards. I believe that one was from Taysom Hill who got on the field long enough to throw one touchdown. So unfortunately we saw, all chris alave dud here he caught three of his four targets 53 scoreless yards just wasn't featured because Dwayne, you got juan johnson and rashad shaheed why would you feature one of the most efficient rookie receivers we've seen in the past seven eight years whatever they're making plays in their own right but the question is juan johnson rashid shaheed What is your level of confidence with these guys here for the next two weeks? Do you think that we could get a second or third option in addition to Alave to fire up? Next week is going to be the Saints at the Browns on Christmas Eve, so we'll see what that weather is like because we all know that everyone in the fantasy community is a meteorologist these days. Dwayne, that Browns Mm -hmm. defense, though, can be had by the right offense. Thoughts on Shahid and Johnson, the rest of the fantasy playoffs.
0: Yeah, I mean, with Shahid, the nice thing is you're getting a down-the-field target, you know, so he can come through on less targets. But this is a this is an offense that's shown us, like, they really don't want to be pass-heavy. So it's hard to get excited, really. Honestly, for me, more than Alave, like, if you're playing in DFS, like, and you're just looking for, you know, that, you know, profile of a player, like, I need someone cheap that on three targets could catch one ball for 80 yards and score a touchdown and it pays off for me, then, yeah, I think Shahid is it. But... Juwan Johnson, I have a little bit more trust in because he's done it all year. Now, he's still not a full route participation kind of guy, but they run a lot of multiple tight end sets. They have certain guys they look at as blockers, other guys they look at as the receivers. And when he's out there, he clearly gets the love and affection of Andy Dalton. So I do think with Jawan Johnson, you're looking at, you know, really that upside tight end two, low end tight end one. And that just is that that is what he is. Like, I think Alave is still the number one target, you know, in the offense. And Juwan Johnson's next, and then Rashid Rashid Shahid is still just a little bit more of a you know kind of complimentary guy. To your point, like his role has grown. Like he's been over ninety percent route participation for like three games. He was at ninety five percent this week. That was number one on the team. So I I mean obviously they like him and they like the field stretching element that he brings to the team. I think it's going to be really hard to trust though in any kind of season long format where you're trying where you're trying to. Make your way to the next round of the playoffs. I don't trust him much in that kind of situation
1: on the other side of the ball, Desmond Ritter first NFL start went pretty horrifically from a passing perspective, (laughs) only completed 50% of his passes, 97 scoreless yards, also took four sacks out there. So didn't have my eyes fully on this one. You know, it was just one of the games kind of cycling through red zone. But yeah, from the passes I saw did not look good. That said, Dwayne, he did do the one thing that we've been begging Marcus Mariota to do all year, and that is throw Drake London, the football 11 targets. And I mean, my goodness, again, 97 total passing yards. Drake London had 70 of those. Before the Falcons week four ti- week 14 bye, we saw London get 12 targets. Dwayne, again, we talked about him. Whether he's as good as, he definitely hasn't been as good as Garrett Wilson or Chris Olave this year, but I think we both agree that he's still in that tier of being an awesome stud rookie wide receiver one. It's just a factor of being in the league's most run heavy offense and having the league's most, un, you know, highest rate of uncatchable passes being thrown under center in Marcus Mariota. Now, I don't know that that ladder problem is necessarily going to be fixed with desmond ritter right now but with that volume Dwayne drake london wide receiver three at least i mean i can wrap my mind around putting the guy in a lineup at least now that i know double digit targets are on the table
0: yeah it's still tough though because we had 97 yards passing today from desmond ritter so look Drake London put up a 2.41 yards per route run today. You know how hard that is to do when your quarterback throws for 97 yards? <laughs> like, so bad. That tells you a couple things. Number one, you didn't run very many routes. Number two, you got almost all the targets. And both of those things were true. You know, they only dropped back to pass 52% of plays today, and he had 42% of the team's targets. So, uh, yeah. And I agree with you. It's, I think he still belongs in that tier because he's showing us that he can earn targets like. I know it hasn't necessarily parlayed like into fantasy points before now. And even this isn't great. 14 PPR points today, but like the underlying stuff is what we care about because then when the situation improves and the environment gets better, as we move forward, that makes Drake London, someone that's potentially a value right next year, because people could very easily just be, ah, you know, I'm not going with Drake London. He didn't score fantasy points, but the underlying information and data tells us he's probably more like those other two guys than different. You know, he's, he's different in the way he plays the game, but his ability to score fantasy points could be very similar.
1: The guys that are scoring a lot of fantasy points in Atlanta come from the backfield, Tyler Algier and Cordero Patterson, both found the end zone. Algier really stood out with 139 yards. CPAT only 52 on his 14 carries. So we've now had six games since Cordero Patterson has returned in those games. Snaps. CPAT has 164. Algier's 162. They both have exactly 64 carries. Patterson has 12 targets. Algier only has six. So, Hey man, I would love to sit here and cry at Arthur Smith. Give my guy Cordero Patterson the ball but Tyler Algier has been legit. And you can look at actually some of the non yards per carry stats, yards after contact, missed tackles forced. And they're going to tell you that Algier is better than Cordero Patterson. This is like the freaking when Ricky Bobby has to like come to grips with (laughs) admitting that like Juan Gerard is like a better race car driver. Like that's how I feel talking about Tyler Algier right now, Dwayne. So, there's no, I mean, the thing is CPAT might have the pass down role, but we just talked about it. There's there's 97 passing yards in this offense. And it's one of those things that I'm not necessarily all that certain that we're going to see that number double by the time, you know, week 16 comes around. So I don't think that Tyler Algier is all of a sudden this guy that we need to be, you know, putting in the top 20, definitely uh, jamming into your starting lineups, but CPAT versus Algier, Dwayne. I mean, they should probably be ranked right next to each other in the RB three range down the stretch.
0: Yeah, I mean, and Algiers, a guy that I've kind of been ahead of consensus on, like in my ranks the last several weeks, not because I think that he's necessarily been great to your point. He has been improving, but I was just looking. It's like I'm like, it's a run heavy offense. He's probably getting about half the carries based on the data that we've been seeing. And now he's actually starting to play well on top of that. So it's going to be tricky, but he's one of these guys Ian, like he's going to be. I look at this a lot like the Ravens. This is a lot like the Ravens backfield. Um, you know, you're going to have, you, like, we've got JK Dobbins and you've got Gus Edwards. This is, you know, Tyler Algier right now is the Dobbins, you know, Patterson. He's better than Gus Edwards, Ian. Sorry. I don't want to get you pissed. Like say, you're going to break my glasses or something like that. Um, but it, it's going to be one of these things where it is a rotation, but I mean, Algier's going to be in line for 13 to 16, 17 touches per game. Like, because they're such a run heavy they are so committed to running no matter what happens in the game. And that really does help them.
1: Only other thing to mention here, Caleb Huntley did get ruled out with an ankle injury. Yeah. Don't worry. We still had Avery Williams active to make sure we could keep this as a three running back committee. But in all seriousness, Avery Williams is less involved on the ground than Huntley is usually. So if we do see Huntley sidelined, could help Algier and Patterson just by a spot or two in the old ranks. Lions took down the Jets 20 to 17. Detroit covered, obviously, as a one and a half point dog. The undercached at 43 and a half. Of course, we all... As we all expected, Jared Goff hooked up with Brock Wright for a 51-yard touchdown late <laughs> in the fourth quarter to bring home that victory. So, look, outdoor Goff against Sauce Gardner and the Jets secondary that we've seen give even the best passing offenses a lot of trouble, would not be overly concerned about the slight dud from Jared Goff. And, guys, please, for the love of God, even if you have you know someone else, if Goff is your QB2 and you're riding with passing Mahomes or something, don't cut him just yet because even if you're not using him in Week 16 against the Panthers, Panthers on the road in Week 17, he is home against the Chicago Bears, and I would hate to see you lose your championship because you got to go deal with someone else playing golf against you. And he pops off at home like we know he is capable of doing. But we also know Dwayne he's capable of enabling some of these guys to great fantasy heights in the passing game, most specifically Amon Ross, St. Brown, and because we have now gotten to 17 games not impacted by injury, I will spare you all me rattling through a bunch of freaking high numbers. Just know that in his last 17 games not impacted by injury. 135 receptions. That is a lot. Unfortunately, Dwayne, we have not seen their number one over, not overall, but their first round pick from this last draft in Jamison Williams really ascend and see his ro- role grow as much as we would like to. Now he looked good out there today. I mean, he was open deep for what would have been a 45 yard touchdown. Goff just did not put enough on it and was underthrown, and ultimately knocked down. That said, Dwayne still seeing Josh Reynolds and DJ Chark working ahead of Jamison Williams. I'm not saying he can't leap one of them on the depth chart at some point, but at this point, now, what, three, I think three games into his NFL career, it's not looking likely here down the stretch. Lions might just be content getting his feet wet, doing the real thing in 2023.
0: Yeah, I think where it could change, like, is if they manage to squeak into the playoffs, right? You know, and, you know, he's had a little bit more time. Maybe he gets a little bit more involved. But, yeah, for fantasy, it's, it's tough because we're going to need to see it first. And it's going to have to be utilization, right? Not just, oh, I came through with, you know, a big play like what we saw last week. So it's going to be a scenario where we're just running out of time, to be honest. I mean, most most people have two more games left in their fantasy playoffs. And so if we saw it next week, like even then, like if all of a sudden next week we saw 65% route participation, say he took Josh Reynolds' spot, he was at 63% today, and let's say he caught two balls for 80 yards and a touchdown. Like, if you're making it to your fantasy championship game, you have a pretty good roster, most likely. Like, how comfortable are you really going to be putting Jamison Williams in? Now, he he could be nice, like, if something happened. Like, injuries happen, right? You could have other players on your roster get injured. But I just, I, I'm with you. It's like, we're going to need to see it for a week, and then are we going to immediately jump to the conclusion that, oh, my God, the next week it's really going to be great, even if we see it one time? It's probably more of a next-year thing or an NFL playoff thing for Jamison Williams. In the backfield, I really thought we could
1: see DeAndre Swift get back more to his week 13 role because he wasn't listening on the injury report all week, and it's just it's not what happened. So L taken by me. And I, I think I said this last week, Dwayne. Like when you can't get a running back with your number one running back having a snap rate starting with at least a five, you know, being over 50%, that's bad. When you can't even get to a four. That is horrific. And that's <laughs> what we had here. DeAndre Swift snaps. Justin Jackson, 33%. Jamal Williams, only 32%. So Jamal did have his would-be 15th touchdown of the year on an 11-yard rush, getting nullified and taken off the board on a hold. And even Justin Jackson almost scored a touchdown and was just short. I mean, hell, DeAndre Swift at the end of the day still had eight carries and eight targets. I mean, that's fine. We see a lot of running backs play a lot more snaps and not get as fancy-friendly of a workload as Swift had right there. That said, still very much not a two-back committee a three back committee with Justin Jackson and oh yeah Dwayne even elevated Craig Reynolds off the IR here over the weekend so DeAndre Swift someone that I have not been able to get into the top I wasn't able to get in the top 24 this last week with no teams on by coming off that setback in week 15. Week 14, again, it's crazy, man, to have DeAndre Swift here, seemingly healthy, not listed on the injury report, and we can't trust him in fantasy. That's unfortunately what we're at. DeAndre Swift, not a must start down the stretch because, let's face it, man, he hasn't been for the better part of the last two, two months What since he's been back from injury.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's a boom-bust wide receiver. I mean, boom-bust running back three right that that's what he is um he had a 50% targets per route run 25% target share today Th- those are all things we know he can do but he's just not out there enough you've always said it it's the Justin Jackson thing i will say you know Jamal Williams his contracts up like he signed a two year deal so maybe there's a chance next season for DeAndre Swift we'll have to wait and see and i don't wish anything bad for Jamal Williams like he's played well there's just, it's a tough matchup today you know with the jets he had his 13 carries 33 yards like Jamal Williams of the team rushing attempts, he continues to really have the same role. Even though Justin Jackson gets work, he's just not going to be involved in the passing game. He's going to be right around 15 carries a game, and you need him to score his touchdowns. In the weeks where he doesn't score his touchdowns, this is what happens. So really, he's a boom-bust RB3 as well, right? I mean, you have your weeks where you're going to get two touchdowns, and it's great. You have your weeks where you don't, and you get 3.3 fantasy points. It's tough. On the other side
1: of the ball, we did have Zonovan Knight briefly get banged up and return, but wasn't for too long of the game. Ultimately didn't see his overall committee with Michael Carter change. Carter did lead the way in total snaps, but it was Zonovan Knight leading the way in terms of carries, but then Carter kept the pass down work. Unfortunately, he ran into a Lions defense that just has been awesome against the run here for the better part of the last five, six weeks. Now, last five games, they've allowed 89, got fleeced a little bit by the Bills, gave up 164, but then 95, 22. And then today just 50 total rushing yards allowed on the ground. So Zonovan Knight, still someone that, again, we've been lauding his playoff schedule, and to be fair, during the first 12 weeks of the season or so, the Lions were a pretty bad run defense. Next week, though, they get the Jaguars, and the week after, they are going to be getting the Seattle Seahawks. So, Dwayne, again, it was a dud here from Zonovan. We know these are on the table. You just mentioned it with Jamal Williams. Like, I think Zonovan is probably going to continue to be ranked fairly close to guys like Jamal Williams, like Isaiah Pacheco, where we know we're getting 15 plus carries more weeks than not with even a decent game script they just got to find the end zone hopefully once or twice didn't happen today but again in these next two matchups jaguars and seahawks i like his
0: odds. i like his odds of getting back into the paint in those for sure i think the schedule looks really good and he is also a guy that we have seen get more involved in the passing game than we have jamal williams and some of these other guys now he doesn't get all the passing down work but they tend to like to get him the ball on the early downs um, you know, in the passing game, so I think that's a positive thing for him. Um, I think you know, the big news here, Ian. Like, so, so, what are you, what are your thoughts here? What, what are we doing? Zach Wilson threw for over three hundred yards. Do you think is real?
1: I mean, he at least made a couple of good throws. You saw the play he made to set yep. up the field goal. Now we also saw the, uh whatever, if you want to call it a throw to Michael Carter, that somehow he caught, like, again, the Zach Wilson and what we were talking about, I think around week nine or week 10, like the big problem with Zach this year is, you know, he's going to have the turnover where he plays because the way he plays, but we weren't even getting big time throws to start this season. There just was no upside to be had. We did get that in spots today, four big time throws out there in the first initial run of PFF uh, data. And Hey, even if it goes down one, he only had three total big time throws in his first seven starts combined. So I definitely thought it was a step forward. Dwayne now that said, I mean, his last three games we saw him, I think were against the Patriots twice in the bills. So like, yeah, he faced the lions. He played a little better. That should be expected. Even then, 18 of 35 with another couple of turnover-worthy plays against the Lions. Not exactly great for me. They get the Jaguars and the Seahawks. Not exactly big-time boosts in the competition, but certainly, man, I mean, I don't know about you. I, Garrett Wilson, as I think my wide receiver 13, when Mike White was going to be there, I dropped into about wide receiver 19, wide receiver 20 after having this uh, downgrade. So still someone that I'm comfortable starting as a low-end wide receiver too, and we saw that with a team-high nine targets, but we also saw only catching four of those three of those happen to be contested um of the contested uh, catch variety certainly has a lower floor and a more volatile overall projection with zach under center
0: yeah i mean only 44 percent of his targets were catchable and this is something this is a trend we've seen between zach wilson and garrett wilson i will say a couple of the throws were great there was one that was a complete laser beam um so will zach wilson you know he did show a couple of flashes today. I was not hard on him on Twitter. I was just really more trying to get people to come to grips with reality that, like, you know, 150-yard passing game is on the table every time Zach Wilson starts, right? And that's going to hurt someone like Garrett Wilson, <laughs> even if he earns all of his targets, which he probably is going to because he's a badass. Like, he's going to earn the most targets on the team probably every week. He's that good. Um, but I'm with you. It just kind of the, – the ceiling comes down. And the floor goes lower now. And I thought, you know, I I had him as my wide receiver eight last week when I (laughs) thought that Mike White was starting. And once we had Wilson on the table, I was like you. I moved him really to the mid-range wide receiver two um, you know, area. And I really labeled him a boom bust wide receiver two. Because now you can have those games where he's going to catch two balls for 25 yards like that. And the perfect game script where the Jets get to run the ball more, they got forced out of that at the end of the game today. And Zach Wilson is inaccurate. Right? That could be a really bad day for Garrett Wilson, but you're going to be starting him, you know, unless you're playing in an 18 league that only starts two receivers, two running backs and one tight end. And then really you've just got a league problem. You yeah. need, you guys need to start more players. So that's not really on us.
1: final other note Denzel Mims unfortunately suffered a concussion and is in the protocol joining Corey Davis so does that mean we finally have Elijah Moore with a featured role all to himself it does not Dwayne because Jeff freaking Smith is doing (laughs) what he was put on this earth to do and that is drive fantasy managers absolutely crazy caught four of his five targets for 77 yards including a 50-yard bomb from Zach
0: Wilson so again not thinking that just Braxton Berrios had six targets <laughs> only one only caught he one. he has bro he's 17%, be, 17% of Braxton Berrios's targets were catchable so you have that and,
1: no that's what I'm saying like he's gonna be on the top of all the unrealized air yards tweets but yeah. they were 100% prayer yards there was not much of a chance <laughs> for any of those but Elijah Moore maybe in 2023 maybe if we get Mike White back in the end but I mean it's not looking
0: And Elijah Moore was still the two, 88% route participation today. Now we could get Corey Davis back, right? And that's going to hurt. Jeff Smith was really in Elijah Moore's role. He played 48%, he had 48% route participation. And then if you look at uh, Moore, he was still kicking inside when they went to three wide receivers, 63% of his routes came from the slot, which was number one on the team. So Moore's role was still really intact. The bigger threat to him is what happens when Corey Davis comes back.
1: You know what pisses me off, Dwayne? I spend the last six weeks talking about how good of a fantasy playoff schedule the Jets have, and guess what? Jets' tight end scored two touchdowns today. <laughs> Only C.J. Yazoma happens to be scoring yeah. them, and unfortunately, we even saw like a step back in the actual repetition rate Route participation rate for Tyler Conklin, someone that's regularly been flirting with that 70% mark, if not higher, especially during the beginning of the season. Only ran a route on 22 of 40 dropbacks. CJ Hizoma was just 11 of 40, so it's not like we can get behind him, but certainly looking more like a two tight end situation. If we have two tight ends in real life, we probably have none in fantasy land. Steelers took down the Panthers 24 to 16, covering us two and a half point dogs over surprisingly, somewhat surprisingly I should say, cash at 37 and a half. So, shout out Najee Harris forced a week high, 10 missed tackles force on the ground. I think in general again, he has been able to come on a little bit better after that, you know, coming back from the injury. We found out he was playing the first month in the season with a steel plate in his toe would make sense how that would limit a guy. So, again, 24 carries 86 yards. He's not blowing anyone away in terms of his yards per carry. The bigger problem for him. Dwayne continues to be the lack of pass down usage. Not a single target today for Najee Harris. So that continues to leave him at 40 targets on the season through 15 weeks of action. Last year, he got his 40th target on the first drive of week six with captain checkdown down Ben Roethlisberger under center. So in these games, Dwayne, when the Steelers can surprisingly play with the lead and afford to give Najee 20 plus carries like, yeah, he will be able to give us usable, usable performances like this. That said, I don't think anyone, especially Najee Harris managers are you know expecting to get too many more booms like this we've seen what he's capable of this year hey our home against the Raiders though next Christmas Eve at the night game spot so any alert with Najee Harris moving forward because again Jalen Warren is not going anywhere
0: yeah I'm it is what it is you know you're you're looking at him as a low-end RB2 you know and you're just kind of hoping like we just need the Steelers offense to turn a page next year and you know, really just the overall quality to improve. And if that happens, like Najee can become a valuable component to a fantasy roster again, especially with what's probably going to happen to his ADP. But it's going to be really interesting to see. And I don't know that we'll ultimately have an answer no matter what they do in the offseason because it's going to probably just really come back to what do we think about the quarterback? and Kenny Pickett while he hasn't had a lot of turn- turnovers like and he's he's protected the ball well like he also has not been able to score points you know and uh, he's got weapons around him at least we think he has weapons around him so i, I don't know like it's I- i'm really with Najee if the offense were to get a lot better, like maybe if they made several offensive line acquisitions right in the off season. that would be something where I'd be like, okay, because he hasn't really had a good offensive line last year or this year. So that would be a potential way that we could get more out of him next season. As far as this year, there's just it 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 is what it is. If you drafted him, you're probably just starting him and hoping that you get ten points.
1: Mike Tomlin, listen to Dwayne. Listen to Bob Seeger, Turn the page. Finally, we do have Deontay Johnson. Two claps. First top 24 finish of the entire season. Yeah. I am presuming 10 catches, 98 yards. Did he score a touchdown? Of course not. 123 targets on the season now without a score, but just good to see Deontay going out there and still being just generally a great wide receiver, Dwayne, even if we haven't gotten the counting stats that we're used to seeing. So again, no clue who's going to be under center for Pittsburgh. I don't know who's going to be calling plays next year, but man, Deontay Johnson certainly could be someone that we are looking at as, you know, Dwayne, one of those studies where it's like, who's the chief deepest wide receiver in fantasy projected for the most targets, good chance yeah. that could be Deontay this be. off season. Yeah.
0: Now, 53% targets here today, by the way. Ooh,
1: <laughs> that will work. Man, you know, I think uh, everyone, especially certain tight end fantasy managers would have been happy with a few of those going elsewhere, specifically Pat Fryermuth, not a single catch on the day and he didn't even have a single target on yeah, the day no. as well. And Dwayne, he did come in this one banged up. He didn't practice on Wednesday or Thursday. Didn't have an injury designation, though, and even said on Wednesday, I believe it was an ankle issue, but he said it wasn't going to keep him out of the game. So, you look at the usage, and it wasn't fantastic, but that said, he still was leading the way over, you know, some truly awesome competition in Zach Gentry, of course, but Pat Frymuth, man, after this, I feel like it's just an incredibly unfortunate bad day. Hopefully, he will be healthier in week 15, I'm sorry, in week 16 here against the Raiders, because it is a nice matchup, but getting Dallas Goddard back, you know, having the joke with Deshaun watson i know he's not having a great didn't have a great week either but pat Fryermuth, with maybe just someone that again he's going to be in the same tier he usually is in the mid to low and tight m1s maybe you just knock him down a little bit as long as we're not completely certain about him running a route on exactly 80 90 plus of the dropbacks
0: yeah he and dalton schultz you're treating the same way you just yeah. you know if you've got them you're starting on probably next week and unless and, and to your point you get like someone like a goddard back right but even today like i i mean Well, we'll talk about, you know, Waller when we get to it, but like, I mean, I'm not that excited to start a guy like Waller over him, you know, Goddard in his first game back will have its own risk. So I think, you know, they're all, they will all be in that same tier
1: on the other side of the ball, the Panthers. I mean, Donald threw 23 passes in the game that they were down 21 to seven going to the fourth. And I do think a lot of that was them just not being able to move the ball. I mean, as a team, they rushed 16 times for just 21 yards. Donald also took four sacks, but you now look at it in the three games with Donald under center, even excluding garbage time, 44 and a half percent pass play rate. I mean, the Falcons we be week after week for running the ball too much. They're at 47%. So with this team now, Dwayne, yes, D.J. Moore has in two of the last three weeks managed to get going with Sam Donald under center. 73 yards and a touchdown in this one, even though he was coming into the game injured with the ankle. When we do look ahead to the Carolina Panthers in week 16, they're facing the Lions, which, as we know, is certainly a group that we want to target with our pass catchers. So D.J. Moore is dominating a lot of the target share, albeit he's in an offense with basically fewer targets to go around than anywhere else in the league. Are you drinking the Kool Aid on DJ Moore booming against the Lions in Week 16, Dwayne?
0: I mean, I think he'll be a boom bust wide receiver three for me. Like, there's definitely more boom than normal. You're playing the freaking Lions, but it's tough to want to just go rank him way higher because every time we've done that, you know, it's something that and we've known, we've known this is going to be shaky. Even moving him up, and it's tough because we know how good DJ Moore is, right? So that that's that's really the factor that makes you want to move this guy up in your ranks. is you just know he's a really good freaking NFL wide receiver. And you'd love to see him get his because he deserves it. Like right now he's kind of on pace to be our new Allen Robinson, the guy that just never got to play with that quarterback that we wanted. Like he's, he's the next generation, right? He's the choice of a new generation. He's like Pepsi when it comes to, you know, being the new Allen Robinson. So we'll see what happens to your point though. Like he and Darnold and you brought this up, you know, on the pod last week or the week before, you know, we saw how bad Darnold was last year, but he at least kept DJ more viable. Right. So I think that's where we are. It's tough to get overly excited about him, but you can make him a low end wide receiver too. I, I I still kind of prefer, Hey, boom, bust wide receiver three really does cover DJ more right now. Cause he could totally give you three catches for 30 or he could come through and give you six catches for, you know, 90 and two touchdowns against the Lions like that's really his range of outcomes and that's kind of how his season's gone. It's just been more, you know, busts than booms, but maybe that can turn around a little bit with Sam Darnold.
1: Only other note is in this backfield, Chuba Hubbard, 63% snaps, four carries, and three targets. Deontay Foreman all the way down with 30% snaps and 10 carries. So we've seen this far more split evenly between Chuba and Foreman. Of course, got to get Raheem Blackshear a couple touches, a couple snaps as well on a week-to-week basis. And Dwayne, it swung a little bit more back towards Chuba in recent weeks, even though Foreman has kept on keeping on as the lead, I guess, early down and just run-heavy option of the two. With this offense, again, it doesn't seem like anything overly changed this week. It was just a matter of the Panthers falling behind and not being able to play with the lead. Is that what you saw?
0: Yeah, and in my home league, you know, it's a it's a home dynasty league, and Foreman's one of these guys. You know, I just kind of stashed, and so I've got to use him a couple times this week. And if you if you have a high seed, you get to start an extra player. If you have basically, it's like having a home game; you get to start one extra player in your lineup in the first round of the playoffs. Nice. And and so yeah. Somebody oh, reminded started. somebody reminded me in the league last night via text, and I was like, oh, I have Foreman. I'll just plug Foreman in. He scored negative 0.1. I'm really <laughs> glad that I added him to my lineup. <laughs> it's not going to cost me the game. But, yeah, I was just like, what the hell, Foreman? Like, you know, I looked at you. I was like, ah, oh, luxury option. I'll throw you in. You get me. I wasn't expecting a ton against the Steelers, but I thought, you know, I'll get, like, it's a PPR format. I thought I'd get, like, 8 to 10 points. <laughs> you know, I got negative I 0.1. So thank you, Deonta Foreman.
1: I bet you're at least optimistic. He gets a positive point number, not yes, yes, Not having. I didn't. I didn't
0: have a scenario where I thought it would actually be bad for my team.
1: All right, Broncos took down the Cardinals 24-15, to 15, covering as one-and-a-half point favorites game total of 36-and-a-half. Hit the over. Yeah, just an ugly game here. I mean, Dwayne, don't have too much to say. James Conner continues to be a workhorse. I mean, 92% of snaps out there. He is now at 12, 24, 16, 27, 21. Most recently, 19 touches since coming back from injury. And DeAndre Hopkins, I mean, even though we did have Colt McCoy get concussed, have to go to Trace McSorley, which it was clear there was a drop-off in passing ability from Colt to McSorley. We still saw Hopkins manage to get seven catches and 60 yards, not completely killing you. If you do take these now eight games that Hopkins has played, extrapolate those per game averages to 17 games, his pace would be. 134 catches, 1,514 yards. The only negative is those six touchdowns, part of being in this offense. So on the Broncos side of things, I mean, Latavius Murray, 64% snaps, 24 carries and only one target, but he got a touchdown. Marlon Mack tends to be the pass down back these days, and he managed to get a touchdown. Good thing all these other receivers are hurt because they can actually somewhat feature Jerry Judy. Eight targets caught seven of them for 76 yards. So again, we have in bad offenses, as long as they really focus in the volume on certain guys, we can somewhat get behind them. Connor Ho- Connor Hopkins and Jerry Judy all apply. Latavius Murray, I mean, it wasn't about to be, but you take Mike Boone out of the equation along with Melvin Gordon, then guess what? He is a De- Deontay Foreman type asset in that when this bad team can occasionally get a lead, he can make things happen with 20 plus uh, touches. Any other thoughts on this, Dwayne? Because I guess the only other point would be like, Concern about Marquise Brown because, again, I think everyone else kind of on both sides we know what we're getting at this point.
0: Yeah, Brown was still fine. I mean, he had 24% target share just behind Hopkins at 27%, but only 50% of his targets were catchable. Um, and you had a 47% completion rate with Trace McSorley. You talked about the downgrade from Colt McCoy. Yeah. That is definitely going to hurt. This, you know, it's been a bad run it's been a bad run out for this Cardinals offense. Um, You know, they've battled injuries all year long. They just finally get the band back together. Then you have Kyler Murray go down. Now you have Colt McCoy go down and Deandre Hopkins is a big part of a lot of, um, you know, folks that had a late season push to get into the fantasy playoffs. So Hopkins is a common ingredient that you see on a lot of different teams. I know like the, the teams that you and I drafted together, we've got quite a few where Deandre was a big part of getting those teams into the playoffs we just have to lower expectations at this point. If Trace McSorley starts next week, you know Hopkins is still going to get his targets, but there's a good chance that he only catches half of them. Right? It could be kind of that Garrett Wilson, you know, kind of thing that we got going with Zach Wilson in the game. And then you know you're just hoping like like 100 yards would be amazing, but more likely you're getting like 70. So you could have like five catches, 70 yards. Like that's very much in the cards now for. No pun intended for DeAndre Hopkins. It, it just sucks.
1: Raiders took down the Patriots thirty to twenty four, covering as two point favorites overcast at forty five and a half. I've never seen anything like that, Dwayne. I mean, either. And. Crazy. Look, why call a draw? Just take a knee. Honestly, if you want to point the finger at anyone, I think that's probably it. Like, no, Jacoby Myers shouldn't have chucked the ball back into the middle of the field during the middle of a play. But you know, Ramondre Stevenson probably shouldn't have handed off to him. Guess what happened? He got competitive because he scored. He picked up 25 yards, broke a couple tackles, thought he would try to win the game. So it's one of those things where if you don't want your players to go out there and try to score a touchdown on the play, like, why are you even running a play to put that in the position anyway? So. Regardless, absolutely bonkers ending and just an incredible uh game to witness there. So again, with this one, I don't think we have a ton to overly talk about. Josh Jacobs, the fancy MVP, couldn't find his way into the end zone in this one, but just continuing to be such a workhorse that I'm sure his fantasy managers weren't completely killed by the still 110 total yard performance. We did get a dud from Devontae Adams, four catches, 28 yards. I'll probably take the blame here, guys. I know I've been like just being my stupid uh sarcastic self about the bill belichick not taking away the opposing number one options <laughs> i cited stefan diggs and justin jefferson and then he immediately shuts down uh Devontae adams so my bad there everyone but as we know with Devonte adams obviously we're going right back to the well with him next week and beyond hopefully those fantasy squads manage to survive without him so any overall thoughts any new takeaways on the raiders win?
0: Well, we did have Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro return. So Waller had a 66% route participation. Foster Moreau was at 44%. My guess is that expands a little bit for Waller. He'll probably end up being more like a 70, 80% guy. Um, needs to be in the tight end one conversation. He did come through today. Uh, like it wasn't huge in targets. Like he only had a 11% targets per route run. So still working his way back. Um, but he did catch a touchdown pass. And then we also had Hunter Renfro and Renfro was only out there for 59% of the routes. And the problem for him is we thought before the season, Ian, we were like, hey, Jacoby Myers played slot for Josh McDaniels, never left the field. You know, we have Wes Welker played the slot, never left the field. Danny Amendola back in the day played slot, never left the field. Like Julian Edelman, same thing. Well, Mack Hollins just kind of came out of nowhere. And that's really the wide receiver too. So now Hunter Renfro is left being the slot receiver. He only plays when they go to 11 personnel. And this is a team that likes to run a lot of different um, packages as far as their personnel group goes, right? They'll run 12. They've got a fullback and Jacob Johnson. They'll use him. So there's just a lot of times where you're not going to have Hunter Renfro on the field, especially if the game is going as according to plan for the Raiders. But even when they know they're going to pass, they like to pass out of those different formations. They use a lot of you know different heavy concepts to still throw the ball. So I'm not as excited about Renfro. I think if you play in a deep league, You know, he might be wide receiver five material. You know, when I say deeply, that's at least 12 teams, 14 teamers. He happens to be on the wire. You might pick him up, but not someone you're going to be able to stick into your lineup.
1: Final note here is a Mac Hollins. I mean, he's definitely going to be another guy right there at Braxton Berrios. Most unrealized area yards of the week. If I had to take a guess, it probably will be Mac in this one because he had like multiple. I mean, Derek Carr, if you want to just talk about raw arm talent who can throw the football longer than other guys, I mean, you've, we've seen Carr just put some bonkers like 60, 70 yard heaves on tape. He had one against Washington last year that I think actually hit Zay Jones like in the freaking hands, but couldn't come down. But it's like, you know, when it's a 75 yard heave, like that's probably. Probably A little bit tougher to catch than, you know, a little five yard dink and dunk. But yeah, multiple 50, 60 moon ball yard caliber throws just off Mac Holland's fingertips. Again, not necessarily blaming either party because of the degree of difficulty there. Just realized Mac Hollins all the air yards. And when you have all those air yards, there tends to be a better chance of you booming when
0: things go right. I can't when- believe they gave Keelan Cole the touchdown. I'll be honest. Yeah. Like when I saw that, I was like, I, I, I was like, they're calling that back. I, I couldn't believe it.
1: I know it was close, but like I remember when uh you know Des Bryant against the Giants, his like finger was out of bounds yes. on the paint, and you're like, yeah, he's barely out of bounds, but he's out of bounds. Like, was Keelan Cole not out of bounds there? What what
0: the hell was that? Uh, my guess is they couldn't somehow zoom it in, but like to me, even with the view we had, you could clearly see. That there wasn't any green I, I say clearly but like i've seen i've seen them turn over touchdowns with less which is basically what you're saying about the Dez thing so that surprised me and guess what patriots fans no one feels bad for you how many I, I lose track how many
1: championships you've won the last 20 years so yeah sucks was not a great day to be great for you guys but guess what you've had plenty that were over the years i kid i kid but okay on the patriots side of things Look, I don't think Matt Patricia is necessarily the answer either, but it's also a tough look to see Mac Jones go 13 for 31 and throw for 112 yards against the freaking Raiders, who we have seen more than a few teams have all sorts of success through the air. There was one pretty hilarious sequence, though, that, again, could have honestly given the Patriots a pretty easy victory. just wasn't meant to be. Jacoby Myers got open was not able to get a catchable pass but drew a defensive pass interference got them the ball in the two-yard line Ramondre Stevenson our next play gets down the one yard line before he's stuffed and then Mac Jones missed a wide open John R. Smith for what should have been a touchdown the next play snap everyone was playing football those are touchdown Jacoby Myers wiped out because there's a timeout before the snap but again people were playing through it and then on the final play Mac had a quarterback sneak touchdown nullified on the false start not a false start where the offensive line like gained an advantage a false start where John Smith never came set, maybe sabotaging Mac Jones for missing him on that potential touchdown two plays before. And then the QB sneak got nullified as well. So, again, just from start to finish, because they had to settle for a field goal on that in the second quarter just so many missed opportunities for this Patriots team, but at least they do have one God we can consistently get behind Dwayne. His name is Ramondre Stevenson. The reports were all over the place. I was confident that he would play in terms of how much though. I mean, I know Dwayne, we had to make a couple tight decisions where I don't think you were necessarily, I mean, and by you, I mean any of you guys out there that made a similar decision as Dwayne and I Where dropping off from Ramondre to someone in the low end RB2, borderline RB2 range was that egregious because they even showed it, man. Like I think they got more comfortable playing Ramondre as the game went on. They saw how good he looked out there because the way they spoke about him on the sideline for the first drive, it sounded like it was going to be this third-down-only type of situation. But Kingsday Kings and Ramondre, 172 (laughs) yards and a touchdown on the ground. I'll I'll say this, Dwayne. We're not going to be worried about playing Ramondre uh, next week and beyond if he happens to be active.
0: No. No, he looked great. Um, And what was interesting is I kind of wondered, like, did he lose some of the pass down work? Because it was just like the way of the game, and I was watching red zone for this game. So it was kind of bouncing around. I kept seeing Pierre strong. And then now I'm looking at the data. No, I don't know what I was seeing. 100% of the long down and distance, 100% of the two-minute offense. He was just out there doing normal Ramondre things. Um, And I, honestly, I could not tell there was an injury. Like, I, I, if you wouldn't have told me that he came into the game injured, I would have never thought the guy was hurt. By the way, Brian Verbeek can call me out. I know. I lost the Eckler rushing yards prop, guys. Hand up
1: on me. That sucks. That's going to take us right to the Chargers taking down the Titans 17-14. to Chargers did push us three-point favorites under cash at 46-and-a-half. Titans just, again, second best rush defense in the league in terms of total rushing yards allowed to oppose your running backs they want you to pass the ball the charges pass the ball more than anyone and austin eckler who's barely been able to work with any efficiency on the ground this season dwayne 12 carries 58 yards told me to stick to fantasy stay out of the betting props market so i will watch the film get better try to be better in the future but the process was right he screamed anyway eckler got his touchdown on the ground. It's a good thing he did because we didn't get the sort of boom game in the, through the air that we were expecting. Only two catches for 12 yards, again, against a defense that regularly invites offenses to throw all over them. And it does seem like, Dwayne, having Keenan Allen back and populating those underneath areas of the field has impacted Austin Eckler's target share to an extent because how could it not? I mean, over the past three weeks now, Keenan Allen has a combined 37 targets over the past three weeks. And guess what? When you have a guy, average over 12 targets per game over a three-week sample, we're not going to be able to get those absolute boom games from Eckler. So I guess this is one of those things where with Eckler, of course, the- no, no, no universe would you ever consider moving the guy from RB one to your bench. Maybe you put him in the flex to try to send a you know message to him <laughs> or something. But just with Eckler, Dwayne, like, do you see this these splits with Keenan and stuff at the end of the season? Would that be enough for you to maybe bump him like more of a mid tier running back next year? I'm kind of grasping for straws here, but we have seen, I guess, when this offense is fully healthy, volume hasn't been as concentrated.
0: That's fair to say. Yeah. I- It's just tough though, man. Like he's so good. Like, I feel like we're just kind of, you know, trying to find a reason to be honest and you know, shit happens. So stuff could happen next year. Keenan Allen could miss games. Mike Williams could miss games. You know, it's just, he's a really good player. He has outs, you know, he could get injured next year. There's so many different things that could happen. I think you just got to look at him knowing how elite he is in the passing attack. And knowing that that's an out that he's always going to have and it's only it can it can be enhanced by other things around him happening. So now it's not something that I would worry about. Um, I would also say Mike Williams is another player I would not worry about. I know he didn't come through really big in the box score today. Ten point seven PPR points. He did have eight targets caught four of those for sixty seven yards, led the team in air yards. Forty percent of the Chargers air yards went to Mike Williams. Second in target share behind Keenan Allen, who had 24%. Williams came in with a 21% target share. So still playing, you know, a a great role. It is Josh Palmer clearly as the third guy now. 67% route participation for Palmer because you also got to get DeAndre Carter 18%, you know, route participation. So Williams, Allen, Eckler all look really good. Justin Herbert didn't come through with the touchdown pass, but still got to 313 yards. Like this is an offense that in my opinion, like it's just surging at just the right time. I know we wanted more against this, this faulty Tennessee secondary, but like if I had to pick an offense, like going the rest of the way, this has got to be like the Jaguars are in that conversation. The chargers, like they're just, they're hitting their peak like at the right time, and, and this game doesn't change my mind on that just because Herbert didn't throw the, the passing touchdowns
1: just a little bit more crowd everywhere. Not ideal, but when we do have someone like Justin Herbert under center, hopefully these guys will continue to be able to make the most out of those opportunities even if there's just a few less than before. And that does go for the tight end room as well. I mean, Gerald Everett, still the league guy, 28 routes run, but Donald Parham back in the picture managed to take three targets in his own right and get 10 routes run. Also got Trey McKitty out there, Dwayne, doing his wow. thing. As There we go. Just That was the only thing I wanted to say there. Now we can officially move on to our last game <laughs> game here. The Bengals took down the Buccaneers 34 to 23. You're not
0: saying anything about the Titans, huh? You don't even want to say that Oh! No, that's You don't that's even my want bad. to say the Derrick Henry had four targets, four receptions for 59 yards. We can honestly move on after that. I just had to ask.
1: I got so fired up about the McKitty <laughs> bit that I just forgot we had to move on to the Titans. No, that's fine. I mean, look, Kings stay king, So obviously that applies to Derrick Henry. And just like, look, he had 21 carries for 104 yards and his long was like 13. So this dude really was just grinding throughout that performance. And I was almost surprised he didn't have, you know, one of those monster gains. Cause there was a few where Me he too. looked like he was starting to get, you know, that momentum building up. And probably should have had a second touchdown at the end. Ryan Tannehill hurt his ankle, like seemingly pretty bad, you know, earlier in the game. He played through it. He's a tough guy. He did this earlier in the year as well, and then proceeded to miss games afterwards. I believe that was with a foot injury. But third and one from like inside the yeah. one yard line, they had given two straight touches to Henry, and they do a QB sneak with a banged up quarterback. Hey, Henry
0: scored that one too. He blasted Tannehill like no. nearly through the uprights. <laughs> Like I, I didn't know if he hurt Tannehill. Tannehill lay there for a minute. I was like, man, cause he just ran up and just like just nailed him in the back and just sent him flying into the end zone. Can you imagine Derrick Henry, you know, like just you know, taking three or four steps and just pushing you as hard as he can in your back, like in into something in front of you, a big defensive lineman. I'm sure that felt really good to Ryan Tannehill
1: about to say if tano's not wearing that flak jacket or at least has that lower back plate man that would I, I was thinking the same exact thing like you're getting that helmet straight into the kidney <laughs> if you're not freaking doing things right there so good to see henry again taking advantage of uh this pretty great late season stretch and oh yeah he gets the freaking houston texans now in week 16 where he has gone for over 200 rushing yards in three straight performances there so great stuff from king henry and we also saw another guy really coming on who has been Doing a lot of great things here recently. Chiggy. Oh, Conk Woo, Dwayne, someone that we've been, again, on here for several weeks now. He's had, I, I think, now six or seven straight games with at least 30 receiving yards. Now, Austin Hooper is still splitting things down the, meal, down the middle with Chiggy. We still have Traylon Burks missing time with a concussion. That said, the guy is impressing out there. They're clearly down to keep him involved. He led the team in targets here. I do seriously seriously believe without Traylon Burks in the offense, they entered the game trying to get Chiggy more targets than pretty much anyone else else out there thoughts on a Akonkwo moving forward Dwayne I believe I had him ranked tight end 12 this week and it might be really tough to boom him up more especially against a Texans team that we're not expecting too much volume and Traylon Burks could be back but at a minimum the future is looking bright he truly is Jonu Smith 2.0 they even put him in the backfield and gave him a carry uh, out there at one
0: point yeah he had a carry last week um but yeah he is like that that six footer you know, the comp that I love the most is also a former Titan and 49er Delaney Walker Ooh, was this was really this kind of athletic profile. Not a big, tall, lanky guy, but, you know, kind of more of like the spark plug kind of player. So, yeah, I mean, he's looked great, man. The, the route participation is still not where we want it to be 56%, but it hasn't really mattered because they're designing stuff for him. 28% targets per route run, and he's earning targets. So whenever you're getting both of those things working for you, You know, there's still a path for you to have value. I'm like you. I had him one spot below where you did. I had him as a tight end, as my tight end 13, really more of a boom bust kind of guy. Um, But yeah, I mean, looking at where he's at, like, I think it's safe to rank him there, um, even though he's not seeing all the routes
1: last one here. It is Sunday night football. We are recording this during it. So right now looking at the Giants holding a 14-3 lead over Washington. Heineke lost a fumble for a touchdown Dwayne. Then I guess Saquon had a little wildcat three-yard rush. Also saw him absolutely break someone's ankles out there in the flat. So at a minimum Saquon looks healthier. You he love him. We don't really love anyone else in the Giants passing game unfortunately And Washington. Terry McLaurin with the usual backfield split. Happy we could get that off our chest. So Dwayne, last one here. Bang Eagles 34 Buccaneers 23 since he obviously covering us three and a half point favorites the over cashed at 45 and a half I mean the Buccaneers were up 17 nothing and they did not score again until the game's final minutes there of course our guy Dwayne helping all those best ball squads that probably were already dead because of how high we drafted them but Russell Gage <laughs> for the Buccaneers picking I didn't you know think
0: about this to be honest <laughs> picking
1: one hell of a time to go for two touchdowns eight catches 59 yards Mike Evans now has gone 10 straight games without a touchdown before this stretch. His previous career-long stretch was six. And since Brady got to Tampa Bay, man, it was only two before this. Luckily, Chris Goblin keeping on keeping on. Eight catches, 83 yards, and a touchdown. So really, man, the sad part is Goblin continues to be the only guy we can truly trust in this offense from week to week. Yeah, Mike Evans still going to be someone that you're going to struggle to rank outside wide receiver three territory. But in terms of I don't care what the lineup is, you need to start this guy. Goblin seems to be the only player because Dwayne, again, the backfield continues to be split fairly evenly. Leonard Fournette, 56% snaps, 10 carries, four targets. Rashad White, 43%, 11 carries and two targets. So, again, thoughts on anyone other than Chris Goblin really helping us down the stretch.
0: No, and the big thing for Russell Gage is we had no Julio Jones today. Yep. He was he was scratched from the lineup, so that gave gave Gage the wide receiver three role. route participation. But I will say Gage has been hurt all year. And we did see this last year. And we didn't just like Russell Gage for some random reason. He had actually shown an ability over the years before to earn targets. And he had a 29% target share today, a 39% targets per route run from Tom Brady. So maybe, you know, there's something there for Gage in the future. Obviously the Bucks have a lot to get right and who knows what Tom Brady's going to do this off season. There's a lot of potential options. He stays with the Bucks, he leaves the Bucks, he retires. Like I mean, we really have no clue what's going to happen, but like if Tom Brady leaves this offense, wow. Talk about like just stranding. Like and I I say stranding like well, really Brady hadn't been that good either, right? But you know you're going to see the offense really change if you have Tom Brady gone. Um and the most likely the replacement that comes in, they're gonna turn into more of a, hey, let's run the ball more, let's be more balanced, that kind of thing. But no, nothing else as far as this is as, as far as for this season, other than just Fournette and Rashad White continue to be a really gross split that we don't know which way it's gonna go. They're basically half and half, you know Rashad White slightly led you know in the rushing attempt department today forty eight percent versus forty three percent. Leonard fournette still had the two minute offense 100 percent. but Rashad White had the long down and distance eighty eight percent. So they really are splitting and it's just kind of messy.
1: I want to speak this into existence. the homecoming everyone wants. Jameis Winston, Buccaneers starting 2023 quarterback. (laughs) Come on, get Jameis back. You already know he's capable of tanking in an entertaining way. Jameis Winston, Buccaneers quarterback 2023. Who says no? Not me, and I'm not even going to give Dwayne a chance to say no. Moving on to the Bengals. Joey Burrow, again, rough start for the entire offense. Three points in the first half. No other way to put it. At the end of the day, though, four touchdowns for Burrow, just 200 passing yards. But it was just an instance where the Buccaneers, man, this was not like this incredible – it was less of a comeback by the Bengals. Like, yeah, they had to go score a touchdown, sure, but the amount of short fields they got from the Buccaneers and specifically Brady, you know, fumbling the ball. Fournette had a missed exchange. If you want to blame it on him, that's fine. At least, yeah, we had two interceptions out there as well from Brady, just short fields that, you know, when you get to an offense as good as the Bengals, they are going to make you pay each of Jamar Chase, Tyler Boyd, and T Higgins found their way into the end zone. Dwayne, did we see enough goodness from Higgins and obviously to a lesser extent Boyd with their usage to feel confident about them moving forward and not getting any of the atrocities in terms of usage that we saw from Higgins in week 14, then I believe in week five uh, against the Ravens before.
0: Yeah, we're good. 95% route participation. This offense is what it is, right? We we know it. I think the bigger thing to discuss here really is the backfield. We hit on this a little bit last week, but we've kind of seen two weeks now. With Joe Mixon back, Samaji P. Ryan's role has kind of stuck. He's not beating Mixon or anything, but now Mixon today, 61% snap share, 40% for Samaji P. Ryan, 55% of the rushing attempts to Mixon. And this is the thing where he was getting 75 to 85% earlier in the year. Even in the games where he didn't get the passing down work, he was coming through because we're like, well, if you're going to get 80% of the rushing attempts and a good offense, eventually you're going to boom. And he did that. Then we saw him take over the two-minute offense as the season went on, and so then it was like, okay, you're getting 75 80% of the rushing attempts and the two-minute offense. Really, the only thing P. Ryan was getting was the long down and distance, and now that's changed. P. Ryan today, like I already mentioned, 35% of the rushing attempts – and he had 75% of the short down and distance work Ian. So that is one to two yards to go on second, third, or fourth down. They're letting P. Ryan take those. That can spill over into taking the touchdowns. Now, Mixon was on the field much more often than P. Ryan inside the 10, 90% of the snaps versus 10, 10% for P. Ryan. But P. Ryan took over 100% of the two minute offense and led the way in long down and distance, 58% versus 33% for Mixon. So Mixon's still the lead guy. But it is looking more like a sixty forty, and so that's that's going to be problematic for a guy that just has not been very efficient. And that's Joe Mixon. Like he really ranks on the bottom of every category: yards after contact, explosive rush rate, PFF rush grade. It's been a, it's been a rough year for Joe Mixon.
1: Final note here: I know Jamar Chase didn't have maybe the blow up you were hoping for, especially thinking Higgins and Boyd could be limited. End the day with seven catches, sixty yards, a short touchdown on thirteen targets, but so close to being much bigger. I mean, he Carlton dropped.
0: Davis played great, man
1: he did play great and we've seen him give I mean some of those battles that he had with Michael Thomas you know in 2021 20, maybe it was 2020 but yes yeah, Carlton Davis when he decides to be used and maybe not in shadow covers they haven't been doing that with him this year but again one of the more competitive and physical corners out there so great job by him but even then Dwayne I mean he had a 24 yard touchdown just hit him in the chest that he uncharacteristically uncharacteristically dropped it's not going to go in the books is that because he did draw a defensive pass interference penalty but the ball was there for him More less egregious on Chase, I would say, was another dime down the sideline from Burrow that hit him in the hands. Unfortunately, there's an uncalled hands in the face that just basically couldn't even look at the ball as that was coming into his hands. No wonder he couldn't catch it. So just saying, like this was almost like a floor game for Jamar Chase. Probably could have had another 50 yards and a score with just a little bit of help things going his way. So any final thoughts here, Dwayne?
0: No, man, I think we hit it all for the Bengals. Um, like I said, like the offense is really the same, minus what we have with Mixon. But yeah, that I thought he was going to pull that touchdown in like it was I I get it. It was kind of hard with where the DB was, but it was I mean, it was off the chest. It hit him right in the chest. It was a dime (laughs) Joe Joe Burrow, man. Like the dude is really, really good. Joe Burr, indeed. And with that, guys,
1: going to wrap up our last game-by-game review of the year. Next week is Christmas, and as much as Dwayne and I love you all, are, you know we like to keep the family around for at least a few more years, and I'm not so sure uh, that would go over too well on Christmas. So I'll be back here on December 26th, that Monday, hopefully before noon, giving you guys again just some of the top takeaways to get you guys ready for what will at that point be that championship week 17. So look at us, Dwayne, 16 up 16 down appreciate you man we've had another great year together many more ahead i am hoping so mb fantasy life is where they find you you know you guys got your expensive newsletter out there and everything but you got you got to make money i get it let the folks know where they can hear you read you the rest of the year
0: Yeah, you can just go to fantasylife.com. You can check us out over on YouTube. Subscribe to that channel. Um, You can find us on podcasts. I have a podcast twice a week with Marcus Grant from NFL Network. You guys may have heard of Marcus before. So, yeah, we have a lot of great stuff going. But the main thing, go subscribe to the newsletter. You get it every morning, first thing. Five minutes gets you caught up on everything you need for the day so that you can dominate your league mates. And as Ian said, it's really expensive. It's so expensive that, you know what? You don't even have to pay anything for it. Like we just imagine that you're paying us for it and that's really enough for us. So it is free great stuff. At Dwayne McFarland on Twitter, you can catch me over at I Heart
1: It. We'll continue to have the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. Usual in season schedule that we've adjusted to, I should say, over these next two weeks. And when I know what's going on after that, you all will be the first to know afterwards. So appreciate you guys. As always, for Dwayne, I'm Ian. Thanks again for tuning in the PFF Fantasy Football Podcast. And until next time, take care, everybody. <laughs>